better way to finish out the year than by having an amazing warrior, Kyle Wagner, here to join us and help us create our vision for 2017. Hi, Kyle. Hi, how are you doing? Thank you so much for joining us tonight and for helping us not only just reflect about 2016, but to set our vision for 2017. So tell yeah. us, Kyle, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so uh, my name is Kyle Wagner, and I guess I'll start out by saying somehow I've been identified as an edu gladiator, <laughs> which I love that term. Um, but really, I guess uh, in terms of what I do is I consult with school leaders around school change and really primarily uh, making school change feel like a very simple, seamless process um, and helping school leaders to uh, lead school change um, through innovative programs and different teaming structures. I'm working with a couple schools uh, right now, and that's my, my primary MO um, is around that. Well, hey, that sounds like a great MO and so interested in digging a little bit deeper in your book, The Power of Simple, which everyone, it is available uh, on Amazon and other outlets, I'm sure. And if I'm missing any, Kyle, jump in and let me know. But I found it on Amazon. Yep, it's also uh, it's available on Create Space as well. If you are one of those ones who likes the paperback version and likes to put a bunch of post-its in your book, absolutely. And for all of my digital folks out there, uh, you can buy it on Kindle as well. So if that's how you like to read, just get this book because it will transform and help you create your vision for 2017. So Kyle, before we jump in uh, into the power of simple, creating that vision. Let me start here. What compelled you to become an educator first? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think I can go back when I was like 12, 13 years old, and I just was always I was always trying to teach, play, play teacher, I guess, um, to the point where it probably drove my friends nuts. <laughs> um, but I had always really had a knack and a, and a desire to really help um, help people. And that was kind of my uh, big inspiration back then. But really, uh, the, the biggest inspiration for me to become an educator is looking at impact and thinking about really what kind of impact and indelible mark can I make? What's going to be my legacy when I pass on? And I think education has the potential to leave uh, the greatest uh, legacy and leave the greatest mark. And I feel quite honored that um, you know parents entrust um, their, their children's lives uh, to us educators um, which really have an opportunity uh, to see their growth and help inspire them to really find out who they are, what they're about, and um, what their future is going to look like. That's awesome. That is a very compelling reason to become an educator, and I'm so glad to, for you to share your story uh, because we each approach education a little bit differently, and we each came into this field a little bit differently. So I'd love to start out with how you became an educator uh, you know, in this way. And so let's jump straight into the power of simple. Explain to me, what is it? What is the philosophy? What is the power of simple? Yeah, so the idea is that really the simplest um, structures beget the uh, most complex designs. And so I'll kind of backtrack. I think really that schooling has been for so long, it's been about a lot of abstract principles. And I remember back to my early days of schooling um, where I was taking pre-calculus and calculus and you know, I was really good at that textbook type of learning, but really I didn't, I didn't understand how that actually manifested itself in the real world. 
And I think really schooling needs a new narrative. Um, and I think really the, the, the best programs are ones that align themselves around simple concepts and really allow a lot of the complexity of schooling to come out of what this kids actually produce and what the outcomes are um, rather than being dictated by very abstract content and then asking um, students uh, to create something out of that. That's awesome. So a couple of things that you, you said just now that really uh, spoke to me was how you just simplify the structure of schools, right? And how we mm -hmm. do school. So what are your non-negotiables when you yeah. were creating this philosophy? That's, that, that's a great, I mean, that's a great question. And I, I like the way that you phrase that non-negotiables because I think really if we were looking first to say, hey, let's create very simple structures around schooling, then we really have to clearly define what our non-negotiables are. Um, one of my biggest non-negotiables is that students need to be at the center of their learning. Um, and by that, I don't mean like a typical uh, cliche that you know we should put students first. I mean that students need active agents in their own learning. We need to really empower students to understand how they best learn. Uh, we need to empower them in terms of the content that they actually are learning to actually make them part of that process. And so that's one of my non-negotiables, and I think that's something that sometimes is neglected in schools. Uh, we ask a lot of times kids to fit into the structures of schools rather than us fitting into the structures that they come with. Um, one of my other non-negotiables is that education needs to be connected to the real world. Um, right now, we have a very fluid, fast-paced, constantly changing economy, as we all know, and kind of that industrial model of education isn't going to work. Um, and so one of my non-negotiables is that students need to be connected uh, to this real world. Another non-negotiable I have is that skills need to be emphasized over content. And I think a lot of schools are taking heed and understand that. Um, but we really have to do um, a better job at really focusing and stressing skills over content because content is always changing. Um, Blockbuster video, I'm sure you remember Blockbuster video. I remember it with vivid, great memories. I'd go to Blockbuster, I'd get my microwave popcorn, and I still, it's a nostalgic feeling. I go down the street and there's no Blockbuster. It's like a shadow of the past. And I think that's, you know, emphasizing that point that Blockbuster couldn't adapt quick enough to this changing way in which people received content, in which they received their videos. And I think this is a good metaphor for schools. One of my non-negotiables is that schools need to be adaptive and flexible. And if we can really emphasize skills for students over content, then they aren't going to be like the blockbusters, you know, of the past. That they're, I, I don't know, it sounds silly, but like the blockbusters of the future. <laughs> and then, um, so that's probably a very cheesy pun. Uh, so there's two more non-negotiables. My other non-negotiables, we have to create positive school cultures. Um, that trumps everything. Uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast, as Peter Drucker once said. And um, I believe that we need to create those kind of systems in which people feel like they're a part. Um, and then really fifth is that we need to have teachers connected to each other. Um, right now, uh, in some places, teaching is still confined to uh, subject-specific, isolated silos. We've got to break down those barriers between teachers and have them really share learning together so that they can improve their practice and improve the experiences for students. I love those non-negotiables. And one would think that those would be the tenets of any current forward-thinking school district. I think we have a lot of school districts out there that are probably in different parts of their journey to get there. But I, I do feel that uh, organizations and Twitter chats and, and, you know, like edu gladiators and others are helping to 
reemphasize that message, those messages of those non-negotiables. One of our one of our viewers uh, just put in the chat. If you see me looking off to the side, I have my laptop set up so I can look right, at the no chat problem. questions. Uh, that they just discussed uh, this one of your non-negotiables at their department PLC today. So, oh, great. Yeah, so that's encouraging. And, and for those of you who are watching, if you have any questions or any thoughts, please pop it in the chat, and we'll, we'll definitely uh, have some moments throughout our time together with Kyle today to, uh, to address those, answer those questions that you might have. So Kyle, tell me this. You listed about five non-negotiables. In your book, you talk about five strategies in the power of simple. Are those the same? Are they different? What are your strategies? <laughs> yeah, so without being redundant, um, they're, definitely, they're definitely very similar, uh, but I'll go into a little bit more detail. Um, I, I think first and foremost, and I think we'll talk about it because you mentioned talking about the vision for 2017, um, the strategies really align around a clearly articulated vision for school. And um, once you know what your school is about um, and what your school is really emphasizing, that's when you can really implement these strategies. And my strategies um, are first and foremost flexible um, scheduling. I think so often we um, negotiate the kind of content that we're going to teach around fixed schedules. Sometimes kids see teachers six times a day, um, six different teachers, and that just, for, for us to try to create a fluid process of learning, that's just not going to work. So rather than say, hey, we got 45 minutes, what can we knock off in this 45 minutes? Why don't we take away the schedule and create clear outcomes for learning and then organize the schedule around those outcomes? So I think flexible scheduling is crucial. Um, with that flex, or sorry, do you want to say yeah, something? Let me, yeah, so the inner scheduler in me, um, so before, <laughs> I, think, I think every great principal needs to be a scheduler, particularly at a high sure. school to see, you know, just how you fit 2,000 plus kids into, you know, a working day. <laughs> And school happens. So when you talk about flex scheduling, that scares a lot of people. That scares a lot of schedulers. Um, now I'm a middle school teacher and was a middle school principal as well. And we live and die by being flexible with adolescents at that <laughs> critical time. But when I when I was in the high school area in particular, that really scared a lot of a lot of uh, high school educators, both the principals and the teachers, when you talk about flex scheduling. So how do they, how do you do that? How do you, how do you change that mindset with flex scheduling? Yeah, so I, I think, let me back up in terms of flexible scheduling. Let me first acknowledge that it is this very scary proposition. And, you know, that for a school of 2,000, it is extremely difficult. The schedule, we had someone come in for our school of 2000. It was a scheduling consultant. And that's literally, that was their stick. And they get paid great money just to, to work out the master schedule. But let me back up and say that what I would do at that school of 2000 is I think you have to break it up into smaller, um, really kind of um, self-contained pods. And by that, I mean a group of three teachers. Um, that are teaching that same group of students. Um, whether that looks like throughout the year, perhaps these students are going to this group of three teachers for all those six weeks, and then you change that and they go to another group of teachers. Um, and because by doing that, you allow yourself to be a lot more flexible scheduling. As a principal, you allow a lot of those decisions about scheduling to be made within those smaller pods. Um, so you have to break you have to break the larger system into smaller systems. So I should have probably started there. That's first what you've got to do, and then flexible scheduling 
becomes it can become an actual reality. So do you want me to move on to the next one or do you want to make yeah, it Yeah, no, no, no. I just had to put that in there because I know uh, I know that there are some folks that um, probably were listening in and might have had that same thing because uh, scheduling can be, I mean, you live and die by your master. That drives your school. So sure. I just wanted to take that moment before I forgot that question. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, go ahead and talk about the other four strategies. Flexible scheduling is one. Okay. So, so let's say now that you're that school leader and you've managed to kind of break your school up into smaller pods. Um, and you've, you've asked the uh, teams that you've created to create that kind of flexible schedule around learning. Then the next thing you really want to do is create that space, that flexible space. And so if you have a team of teachers, like let's say it's two or three teachers now working to organize content, you need a space that's very fluid. Um, what I would suggest for any kind of middle school principal or high school principal that matter, if you want to start very small, is just create a movable wall between two classrooms. So let's say now that you have the history teacher and the English teacher, you just create one movable wall and you say, look, one or two points throughout the week, if you share the same students, you're going to create one integrated lesson or you're going to have an integrated project and those students are going to be somehow mixed up. Um, and that but the thing is, if you don't have that flexible space, that's very hard to accomplish because you can have kids are at one side of the school and a teacher that they're collaborating with on the other side of the school, and it just doesn't allow for that. So um, flexible space is crucial. Yeah, that's the second strategy. Do you want me to keep going? Yeah, go with number three. All right. Um, so the, the third is once you have a flexible schedule in space, and I notice how I kind of like to lay these things out because I think it, it works progressively, is now you think, okay, what are students going to learn? Now that I have a flexible space and flexible scheduling, I have teachers working together. Now you want to do integrated learning. So now that teachers can work together around that schedule, they've got to really come together and say, what are these big outcomes we want students to achieve? And rather the, than the outcomes be subject specific, create really conceptual common based outcomes. Um, for example, one of your topics might be sustainability. And now you ask teachers to come around this idea of sustainability. You ask the math, the science teacher, and the humanities teacher, and they can do that because it's a concept that everyone can link into um, with their content. So that's third. Um, fourth is now creating individualized opportunities for students. So how are students going to learn about this, this topic that you've created um, in an individualized, personalized way? What are the needs of your learners? And now that we have so much online curriculum um, and we have so many resources, it's easier uh, to really get plugged in and find out how we can personalize learning for those students. But I would challenge any school leader that's listening to this right now is when you think about personalized learning, don't just think you're going to in introduce a new online curriculum because that's not going to promote change. If you've already done those other three steps, your personalized learning is now aligned to those other bigger concepts. Um, so fifth, because I got, wait, what I got? One, two, three, four. I, I maybe I have six, actually. Yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Okay, so the six, now that you have that, which you can give yourself a big pat on the back because you're doing a lot more than other schools are doing. Um, the fit is now establishing those relationships in the community. Um, I talk about this a lot in the book, the community of innovators. And really, you've got to create that community um, within that system that you've created. So to create that community, um, be meeting with these students every day. You've got to let them know, here's what the learning journey is going to look like for today. Look, we've created a flexible schedule. 
um, you have your personalized learning goals. Now let's get the students involved in really working with them to kind of map out their learning along that journey. And if you're in high school, I think you're in a key position for this because kids already yearn for that independence. Um, so really is forming that community, so getting the, the community involved. And guess what? If you form those integrated teams, you're going to be seeing the same students as that other teacher. And so you can feel like a family, and it really is transformative. And then finally is real world. Um, now how do you connect these students to the world outside of the classroom? And if you have these really great conceptual units, you have um, teachers integrating according to content, creating personalized opportunities, then now it's about really connecting outside of school and seeing what's the opportunities that exist outside of the school walls. I love all of those strategies. And again, I think, you know, I think educators are doing bits and pieces of those, you know, at different points. One of our, one of our, uh, our folks listening in, Kimberly, she has this question for you. And I think it's very fitting, especially after going through the five strategies. She asks, how do I, how can I be an advocate for simple and a system that has multiple initiatives? And that was a great question, Kimberly. <laughs> that's okay. So that's like a that's that's a that's a rhetorical question. Basically, is like I mean I, I think this is Kimberly has pretty much nailed it. Um, you can't have too many initiatives. Let's just be quite frank. Um, in the beginning of my book, um, if you want to pick up the book, um, Kimberly, you're going to find out right at the beginning that one of the biggest mistakes we made is we had way too many initiatives. Um, and trying to introduce simple structures around too many initiatives. So um, I would say to that, Kimberly, I don't know what position you're in in leadership or if you're a teacher, but really I would help try to emphasize to leadership to really kind of narrow down and hone in on what is the biggest uh, initiative that we're going for and then aligning around that. Um, <clears throat> and then looking for an approach to learning that really gets you a lot of bang for your buck. So I can empathize with you, Kimberly, that there's a lot of initiatives. One of the things we did is we looked at what is, we have to do all these things. We have to teach the whole child individualized learning, make it relevant. And we felt overwhelmed that we said, okay, what's an approach that's going to get all of this? And we said project-based learning. Project-based learning, when done well, is going to allow you to achieve a lot of those initiatives. Individualized learning, um, assess according to skills over content, get kids outside of the classroom, make it individualized, uh, integrate technology. So look at what is those leverage points? What's that driver for learning that can help you achieve a lot of those initiatives? <clears throat> I love that. Paul from uh, on the chat also mentioned that when you were talking about having those teams and integrated uh, teachers, uh, which is very much a middle school concept. And, and again, that can be very scary to high school because high school tends to be uh, in silos. They tend to teach and meet and plan in silos and middle and elementary, it, they tend not to be that way. So it definitely is a mind shift for them. But Paul said that those teams would be ideal for a capstone project. <laughs> Oh man, this is like music to my ears. <laughs> I mean, the only thing I get more excited about than Lucky Charms is like hearing the the term capstone project. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Paul, this is a great point. I think that that's one of the things we'll probably talk about. But you've got to start, like Paul mentions, you got to start with the end in mind. And you're right. The first thing that that, that team should do is really envision what do we want our students uh, to to think to act like once they graduate from our this particular program. And that's a perfect position for a capstone. And then planning backwards from that capstone in terms of what are those individualized uh, units that are going to help them get there. 
That's awesome. And Kimberly said, thanks for acknowledging the frustration yeah. of that, but also for giving her those uh, talking points, the leverage sure. points for that. So thank you. Good luck, I'm Kimberly. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you're not watching right now or, or sharing this, you're missing out. Kyle, you are absolutely fabulous. The information mm -hmm. here is just amazing. So let's shift to how do you how do you plan? How do you create that vision for 2017? I mean, do you yeah. do you make that mid-year shift? You know, if you see some things that maybe weren't working right, how do you do that? Yeah, so I'm gonna start uh, by saying, I'm gonna acknowledge too what Paul has mentioned with the capstone. I think the capstone is a good way to plan. And the idea of a capstone is you, you start with the end in mind. So as you're creating your vision for 2017, I think the key questions you have to ask yourself, at the end of the school year, what do we want kids, um, our students to think? How do we want them to feel? How do we want them to act? How do we want them to behave? Um, what kind of things do we want them talking uh, to each other about? What kind of experiences do we want them to have? And that's actually going to help you to clarify a lot of your um, vision and your work with your staff. If you're a school leader, um, it'll help you to really clarify what's that end goal for the school. And if you're a teacher, it's going to help you really simplify what, what is your content that you're going to teach and how is that going to connect them to where they're going to be at the end. Um, I'm not going to – actually, I'm going to pull off my wall for a second, so just excuse me. This is, it's, I would encourage everyone to make a vision board. They're absolutely phenomenal, and I encourage all school leaders. And basically what a vision board is, is it's just you envisioning um, really what you want, uh, what you want the end of 2017 to look like, um, and then working backwards uh, from there. <clears throat> I love that idea of a vision board. and. I know we often think of vision boards and not necessarily using it in a school district. Like we think of it for our passion projects maybe or for maybe some other issue, other uh, businesses or things that we might be involved in. But I love the idea of having a vision board for your school district. So tell me this, who's your favorite superhero? <laughs> I'm going to have to bird walk away from education then because um, my superhero is not an educator, uh, so my superhero, besides the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, because they were like totally my superheroes and Swiss Family Robinson. Yes, <laughs> yes. My actual, I don't know if you've seen that show, but, but I, I used to always want to be like shipwrecked on the island because of them. Um, my biggest superhero is Oral Hershiser. Do you know who this is? No, who's that? The famous LA Dodgers pitcher. and. Really, he's my superhero. It has nothing to do with the fact that he's in the Hall of Fame and he has one of the lowest ERAs and most strikeouts ever of any pitcher. It's because off the field, he embodies pretty much everything I want to be um, outside of not just the school, um, you know, but really in real life. He, he's really left an indelible mark, and he really viewed his position um, as being that celebrity as really this position of great responsibility and that he can be a role model for others. And he always lived high by his ideals. He was a class act. Um, he was always very humble. And so I kind of try to aspire to be more like him. <clears throat> I love that answer. Absolutely love that answer. So taking your superhero being a, being a pitcher, uh, how, do you, how do you encourage some of our educators that might feel stuck and, um, in their situation and what uh, maybe lack of voice in their school or in their district are, are not feeling encouraged to try. 
how do you how do they stick to their ideals like your superhero how do they get through that i you know what um and i think this is this is related to another question um i think that you were asking earlier is if i could give any advice to any edu gladiators what would it be because <clears throat> i think it's along these lines first of all i would say that you know i empathize with anyone who feels stuck because i've been there um, I've been stuck in a system and I, it was, I was there for two years and I, I literally almost walked away from the profession because of it. So I know how frustrating that that could be. And I would say first, if you can't change that situation, um, first what you can do is look, look at what you do have control over because um, that's a start. So if you're a teacher, look at that classroom that you have and, and those classroom of learners. And if that's, you know, that's one of the things you feel stuck at is because it's it's very hard to get through those learners because maybe you have some very challenging students is really try to take the small wins really what can you do um, today think of the actual day in front of you what can I do today uh, to better my situation what do I have control over and start with that and then you're gonna it's gonna start empowering you to really do the things um, that are gonna start uplifting your spirits and make you not feel stuck um, and again, it, it starts with simple. Think of the really the simple things that you can do. Um, if you come from a place of, of, of um, frustration and helplessness, uh, you, you know, you just are going to back yourself against a wall. Um, so really come from that place. Um, I would say too, and I know this is easy for me to say because I don't have a family. Um, I have a partner, <laughs> but not a whole family yet. And I know it's very hard for people to just simply uproot themselves and move schools. But I would say if you get to a point where you're feeling that frustrated in the system that you're at that you can't make change and you've tried to be that voice for change, that you really have to be true to your ideals and look for a system that is going to validate you. I've left several systems that didn't validate me. I've been to job fairs uh, where I, I could have taken that next job that I would have made a lot of money at, but I, I stuck true to my ideals and said I'd rather work at an after-school program that made $12 an hour, <laughs> you know, and be true and be really true to my ideals um, because that that is what's going to invigorate you and, and keep you uh, passionate. And it's going to actually set you up for better experiences than the one you have now. <clears throat> thank you for that answer. And thank you for being so honest and truthful. For those of you that are just joining in and maybe this is your first Edge of Gladiators podcast or you haven't had a chance to jump into our Saturday chats, uh, one of the things that we pride ourselves with edu gladiators is to always uh, be transparent, to be authentic. And Kyle, I just really appreciate you um, sharing that that uh, that answer and those suggestions to uh, to continue to grow because we want to we want to always be focused on real talk, real change, so we can uh, keep our students at the forefront and make sure that they're getting what they need. So my last question, because we are just coming to our time right now, Kyle, it's been so great. Uh, okay, maybe last two questions. Sure, um, yeah. <laughs> is, you know, when we talk about, you know, next steps and moving forward, you know, one of the reviews for your books, uh, someone mentioned that your book, The Power of Simple, is a plan of action for educator, educators seeking to make change. How so? Huh. Um, yeah, I think it's, and I guess I'll, I'll, I'll put that in context of what I think is the bigger impetus for change. I think we all know how important change is 
Um, I think we're engrossed with it daily. If you check any of the you know Twitter feeds, you're obviously very um, active on Twitter. Probably a lot of your guests are as well. But we're inundated constantly with the need for change, um, whether that be individualized learning or online curriculum or STEM fields. And these are all great. I think they're all great pursuits. But for that educator who is almost like overwhelmed with because there's so much noise around what to do and so much change, it almost like stifles them from changing. I think this is a very simple, concrete um, action plan for that change that really can be um, applied to any educator in any situation. So it's not based off what tools that you have at your disposal. It's more really here's what you can do tomorrow in your classroom or school. And it's very practical. Um, above all, it's practical. We don't need any more books, I believe in my humble opinion, that talk about how important it is for change and 21st century learners, right? I mean, that, that phrase has been used so much. Like this, this is like here's what to do tomorrow to actually be a part of that and to empower yourself. I love that, Kyle, because one one of our kind of sub hashtags is more than a hashtag. And that's something we advocate each week on our chat during our podcast is, you know, from the chat or from the podcast, what are you going to take from that? And you're going to actually try to implement, you know, tomorrow or the next day with your students. Uh, it's a call to action. It's definitely a call to action. Kyle, if you would tell everyone how they can get in touch with you, if they'd like to talk more about the power of simple or even have you come to their school or district to yeah. talk more about. Yeah, so sure. Um, there's So there's a couple ways. First, you know, shoot me an email. Um, I, I can tell you my email. It's pretty easy to remember, but it's Kyle Wagner um, at transformschool.com. Again, it's Kyle Wagner at transformschool.com. Transform school, all one word. Um, Kyle Wagner, all one word as well. And um, tell me a little bit about your school um, and your situation. I love to just start by talking with folks um, about what their greatest needs are, something that they heard um, in this particular podcast that kind of resonated with them and they want to chat a little bit more about. Um, and then really from there, just working together, and I, I really work with schools to like, let's formulate an action plan together to kind of get you where you want to get to. Um, another way, um, is I'm actually in at the end of every podcast or any kind of session I do I, I offer a, a free resource that I think is going to be quite helpful um, beyond getting my book um, there's another resource and I think Paul I think that was his name right who mentioned about the capstone project yes um, but I have like a, a really good strategic guide and it's about five or six pages from taking where you're at now and what your vision uh, could be, and then taking through those clear practical steps and working through to actually see what does that look like in your classroom or school. And if you shoot me an email at kylewagner at transformschool.com, I'll be happy to send you that guide, really kind of no strings attached, and do help you uh, on your, help you to start on that particular journey. Um, and then really, uh, again, the last way, uh, if, if you want to get a hold of me or if you want uh, some follow-up is workshops as well. So beyond just kind of um, consultation that I do with schools uh, and, and school leaders, I do workshops uh, with teachers at the schools. Right now I'm, I'm leading some workshops around project-based learning with a couple schools in the area. Um, so those, those are some ways that you can follow up. Awesome, Kyle. And do you have a website people can check out? Oh, yes. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I was leading into that one. Yeah, the website is similar. Uh, it's called uh, transformschool.com. Again, that's all one word, um, just transform, 
T-R-A-N-S-F-O-R-M, school, S-C-H-O-O-L, dot com. And that gives a little bit more of the case studies and um, it, some real things that you can take away and, and put in action. Awesome. Kyle, thank you again for joining us tonight uh, in our Edgy Gladiators podcast, the last one for 2016. Uh, lots, of, lots of kudos to you in our chat right here as well. So I'm not the only one that considers you an Edgy Gladiator. Several that are watching said that you are speaking their love language. So just, <laughs> just want to thank you again for joining us and, uh, and being part of, part of Edgy Gladiators podcast tonight. Well, thank you so much for having me, Marlena. And everybody, you guys are, you guys are so lucky to be uh, hearing from such, such an expert. And for, thank you so much for bringing these conversations forward uh, with Edgy Gladiators.